Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Burrow is a furniture company known for timeless design and thoughtful construction and free shipping. And that extends to their outdoor collection. Their outdoor furniture is built to withstand the elements. Featuring rust-proof stainless steel hardware, weather-ready teak, and quick-dry foam cushions. For Memorial Day, get 15% off your Burrow purchase at burrow.com slash ACAST and up to 25% off outdoor. That's up to 25% off outdoor furniture at burrow.com slash ACAST. It was the worst moment of our lives. I didn't think she was going to survive. Nature's deadliest organisms. This parasite can cause permanent brain damage. They can hijack our bodies. That was when I knew we were in trouble. Disable our immune systems. It's just not fair to see your child in so much pain. And eat us from within. I just hope I'm not bringing him home in a coffin. For those infected, they are the monsters inside me. Darcy and Sean Downing live in Pagosa Springs, Colorado. Darcy is a counselor and Sean is a school teacher. They have three young daughters, Tiara, Brianna, and Sierra. We are a very close family. Living where we live, our family enjoys the outdoors. We like to go exploring places we've never been before. We fish together, hike together, run around silly. They're kind of tomboys, the three of them, and they get into the weirdness of nature. But this family's outdoorsy spirit will soon come to haunt them. One morning at the end of summer, Sean and Darcy noticed something unusual with their youngest, seven-year-old Sierra. She started acting very lethargic, which was not normal for her. Little outdoorsy, springy spirit. I put my hand on her forehead. She was definitely warm. We weren't concerned at all. I just figured it was the flu. We decided I would stay home and uh, take care of Sierra. Sean keeps Sierra well hydrated, but it's not enough. I found Sierra in the bathroom and I saw that she was vomiting. It was just violent. Her whole body would just shake. I thought, man, this is, this is a rough flu. Seeing her like that really concerned me. So I, I picked her up and I carried her into her bed and laid her down. Then. Her whole body just locked up. Her eyes rolled back in her head, and she made a couple of noises. I knew we were in trouble. I was kind of tapping her cheeks, you know, nothing. She was totally unconscious and totally lifeless. It was scary, really scary. 
I grabbed her and I told the other two to come on. We're going to the hospital right now. Get in the car. At the hospital, doctors assess Sierra's condition. They found out immediately that she had a temperature of 107, which is lethal. I couldn't respond in any other way but just to really pray. As the medical team managed her fever, Darcy arrives. I was shocked to find Sierra covered in ice bags. I was concerned, is this high temperature going to impact her brain? Based on Sierra's high temperature and loss of consciousness, doctors reach a startling conclusion. The doctors told us she had a febrile seizure. Febrile seizures can occur in children when they experience a rapid increase in body temperature. To prevent more seizures, the doctors sedate Sierra. But they speculated it was something worse. This caused me to, to be very fearful. The doctor knew that there was something else going on. He couldn't prove it, but he knew it. And, he, and so he started calling around to get her into a different hospital. The medical team prepares to medevac Sierra to a specialist hospital in Denver. As they were strapping Sierra down on a gurney, a nurse pointed out some bite marks on Sierra's torso. It didn't surprise me to see bug bites on Sierra, especially as adventurous she's been, but I did make a mental note of it. Darcy escorts Sierra on the flight to Rocky Mountain Hospital for Children in Denver. There, doctors run multiple blood tests and set her up on broad-spectrum antibiotics. When they shifted her onto the bed, she did wake up. And I was so happy to see her. I mean, as lethargic as she was, I was just happy to see her responding. But as I get her out of bed to go to the restroom, she complains about a pain in her leg. It's in the groin area, and her skin does look a little red. I had no idea what this pain was. Pediatric intensive care specialist Dr. Jennifer Snow is in charge of Sierra's case. There was a large swelling in the left groin area, and when I touched it, she nearly jumped off the bed. I thought Sierra's lump was an abscess. An abscess is a collection of pus caused by an infection. Dr. Snow runs an ultrasound over the tender swelling on Sierra's groin. The ultrasound showed that Sierra had a collection of infected lymph nodes. Lymph nodes are part of the body's immune system and swell when the body is fighting off a foreign organism. The question was, what infection is Sierra fighting? But before they can come up with an answer, Sean notices something else. Her body was breaking out in all kinds of weird rash. I was expecting her to be better. And, and she was actually worse. I mean, that was just the, that was the worst feeling. She's crying. She's in so much physical pain. Her body is red, 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 and she has little bumps all over her body. There was really a sense of urgency that started to come over all of us. Dr. Snow examines the rash. Whatever was infecting Sierra's lymph nodes had entered her bloodstream and was infecting her whole body. So immediately I suspected that she had septic shock. Septic shock occurs when something toxic poisons the bloodstream. It can inhibit blood flow to vital organs, and in severe cases, it's fatal. Dr. Snow rushes Sierra to intensive care. We still didn't know what infection Sierra had, so everyone had to wear masks, gowns, and gloves if they came into contact with Sierra. Watching as the doctors are starting to put on masks and gloves and robes, and I'm going, what in the world is, what are you, what's going on? 
I could tell she was scared. I was afraid I'd lose her. I don't even remember what the doctor said to me. It was like she was looking at me and her mouth was moving, and I wasn't even hearing her. Dr. Snow tries to unravel the cause of Sierra's mysterious illness. I had to get a history of what possibly Sierra had been exposed to. I had asked if she'd been exposed to any animals. I told Dr. Snow about the bite marks on Sierra's torso. It's the clue Dr. Snow has been looking for. I knew that Sierra had an infectious disease transmitted by a bug. Dr. Snow researches Sierra's symptoms late into the night. I thought I knew what Sierra had, and I knew if we didn't treat her, that she would not survive. Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me, because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Burroughs Furniture is built for the way you live. From ensuring easy assembly and disassembly to honoring highly requested new colors for their award-winning seating, they always have their customers in mind. Their modular seating is made out of durable materials to last and grow with you. And with Burrow, you always get fast, free shipping. Get up to 60% off during Burrow's Memorial Day sale at burrow.com slash ACAST. That's burrow.com slash ACAST. Burrow.com slash ACAST. Wow. Nice. Yeah. What you're hearing are the sounds of people everywhere putting on Bombas socks, underwear, and T-shirts made from absurdly soft materials that feel like plush clouds. Yeah, that plush. And the best part? For every item you purchase, Bombas donates another to someone facing homelessness. Bombas. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST. Code ACAST. In the ICU, seven-year-old Sierra Downing is on the brink of death. She was close to dying. I knew if we didn't treat her that she would not survive. After researching into the night, Dr. Snow wakes up Sean and Darcy with a horrifying diagnosis. She says to us, this, this looks like the bubonic plague. And I was just dumbfounded. I thought, this is it, she's dead. In the Middle Ages, the bubonic plague was known as the Black Death. In the 14th century, it killed about 30% of the entire population of Europe. Left untreated, the bubonic plague kills around two-thirds of those infected in as little as four days. 
The bubonic plague is caused by a bacterium called Yersinia pestis. Inside Sierra's body, the bacteria colonize her lymph nodes, prompting the white blood cells to ingest them. But the plague bacteria fight back by injecting toxins into the white blood cells, eventually killing them. The infection causes the lymph nodes to swell, forming large masses called buboes on Sierra's groin, and eventually lead to her septic shock. I would have welcomed to trade places with her. It's just not fair to see her child in so much pain. All I could do was just put my hand there and pray. God, pull out this poison. It was really hard at that point to uh, muster any hope. <sighs> Dang it. <sighs> I immediately started a specialized antibiotic. I just remember leaving that morning and I didn't think she was, I didn't think she'd be there when I got back when I left that next morning, so that's what I remember. Sorry. Doctors induced Sierra into a coma in an attempt to give her body a fighting chance. I didn't want to lose my daughter. And I, I don't, if I had to have blood on my knees for praying, I would. For us, there was, wasn't anything to do except just be there, talk to her, hold her hand. But I could tell that she was fighting. She was concentrating on staying alive. Five days later, Sierra's condition makes a turn for the better. Sierra started to stabilize, and her heart rate was getting stable. And when they took the breathing tube out of Sierra, that's when I knew she was going to be okay. And after a total of 17 days in the hospital, Sierra Downing finally goes home. It's a blessing. This is actually finally over. And we have our little girl back. We can go home and be a family. Get back to our lives. Against incredible odds, Sierra Downing overcomes her infection with the bubonic plague. I left the hospital and I, and I was so, so, so happy. No more nurses coming in. And I finally got to sleep in my own bed. Finally! <laughs> but how did Sierra contract the bubonic plague in the first place? Bubonic plague is rare in the United States, but it does still occur in rural and semi-rural areas, particularly in southwestern states such as New Mexico, Arizona, and Colorado. The plague bacterium germinates in the mouthparts of a flea. When an infected flea bites its host mammal, the plague bacterium enters the mammal's bloodstream. The bubonic plague typically cycles between fleas and their host mammals, which could include rats, chipmunks, and squirrels. The bite marks on Sierra's torso began to make sense to me. Those were actually flea bites. Darcy recalls the moment Sierra most likely contracted the plague. We went to our very favorite campground. I noticed Sierra was poking around at a half-eaten dead squirrel. This scared me, so I, I told her to stop, and I grabbed Sierra's sweatshirt and tied it around her waist and said, you know, we need to let the squirrel go. Doctors believe that the infected fleas jumped from the dead squirrel onto Sierra's sweatshirt and infected her. Tying that sweatshirt around her waist, I had some guilt for that. Today, Sierra is healthy and back in school. She is an extraordinary survivor of the plague. I learned never to... 
to play with dead animals. Today we might use a little bit more caution, but Sierra will never stop loving the great outdoors. She is gonna really live. She loves with all of her heart. She's like a, a little model of what we all ought to be. In the United States, an average of seven cases of the bubonic plague are reported each year. There is no vaccine for the bubonic plague. So reducing exposure to wild rodents that could be carrying infected fleas is the best preventative measure. The CDC recommends the use of insect repellents when hiking in regions where the plague persists, particularly the American Southwest. 24-year-old Christine Clawley is a college graduate who works for a lifestyle magazine in Boulder, Colorado. I was a fairly healthy person. I was running, doing yoga, paying attention to my diet. It was a good time in my life. She maintains a close relationship with her mom, Anne, who lives just two hours away. She's just a joy, just very positive, loving, caring. She had her whole life ahead of her, you know, all these dreams that she wanted to pursue. But Christine's future may not be as bright as she hopes. One morning, I woke up and I was feeling very groggy. I thought I caught the flu from my coworkers. So I decided to just rest and I called my office to let them know that I was gonna stay at home. Nevertheless, Christine tries to work from home. But I wasn't really able to get much done. My throat was just beginning to hurt. So I went to go take my temperature and it was 102. My fever was concerning. So I took some medication and thought I would feel better in a few days. For five days, Christine remains at home taking acetaminophen. But on the sixth day, her illness takes a turn for the worse. I just woke up in unbearable pain. My whole body just was aching and I had an incredibly high fever. My throat was extremely swollen, raw. I am a healthy person and it did not make sense to me at all that I was still suffering from the flu. I knew something was really wrong. So I called my dad and I said, please come pick me up. Christine's father brings his ailing daughter home. There, Christine tells her mother about her fears. She said to me, mom, am I gonna die? And I said, oh honey, you just have a fever. Christine never talks like that. And I thought this is just one of those severe viral fevers that we just had to, you know, try and tough it out the next couple of days. But two days later, she makes a bizarre discovery. I was looking down and saw this bright red rash of just raised skin on my neck. I touched it and it felt like being on fire from the inside and it was so hot and burning and painful. I was definitely scared and more just kind of in shock. I called my mom in, said, look at this. I'd never seen anything like that before, but I thought maybe it was reaction to the aspirin or her fever just was making her body flush. Minutes later, her condition changes yet again. I was lying down and 
The rash migrated very, very quickly from my neck down to my chest and then all the way down to my abdomen. I felt very frightened. To see it move like that was something else. My husband checked Christine's pulse, and it was around 150. The average pulse rate for a female is half that at 80 beats per minute. We had no idea what was going on with her. I called my doctor's office. They have an after-hours nurse. She said, my God, you've got to get her to the hospital now. She's not going to survive the night. We thought we could fight this. We didn't know how serious this was. And rushes Christine to the local hospital. I was holding on as much as possible on the drive to the hospital. But my body was in so much pain, it was almost like I couldn't feel my body. I knew that I was dying. I just didn't know exactly how it was going to happen. Then I blacked out. Oh, it was scary. It was frightening. And we were desperate to get her there so that she would survive. At Memorial Hospital in Colorado Springs, doctors perform a CT scan on the unconscious Christine. ENT specialist Dr. Barton Knox takes on her case. I reviewed Christine's CT scan. I saw that she had a huge abscess. It was behind her tonsil and into her throat. An abscess is a pocket of pus that forms when an area of tissue becomes infected. Abscesses can be caused by a range of foreign agents and substances. The abscess concerned me because it was on the verge of blocking her airway. It was shocking to hear that. That's why she couldn't breathe. I thought Christine could have died any minute. So I knew I had to perform a tracheotomy to drain the abscess immediately. In the operating room, Dr. Knox and his team prepare for surgery. I took a scalpel and made an incision so that we could clear her airway. But as, as soon as I made the incision, I saw that a lot of the tissue was dead. Christine's literally being eaten from the inside out. It's now clear what is feeding on Christine. Christine had a bacterial infection causing necrotizing fasciitis. Necrotizing fasciitis is a rare and sometimes fatal condition that causes the flesh to decay. In 40% of cases, the condition is fatal. But with her advanced infection, Christine faces even worse odds. That her chance of survival was 10% at best. This infection is one of the fastest killers out there. I went out to speak with Christine's parents to let them know the situation. They told us that she had necrotizing fasciitis. It was in the throat and went into the chest. I thought it was a death sentence. I didn't think she was going to survive. It was the worst moment of our lives. We thought we were going to lose her. We couldn't believe it was happening to us. Dr. Knox heads back to the operating room. We tested a culture and discovered that Christine's necrotizing fasciitis was caused by Streptococcus intermedius and Peptostreptococcus. The bacteria Streptococcus intermedius and Peptostreptococcus have invaded Christine's throat where they coexist and reproduce. As the bacteria breed, they release toxins that kill the tissue. 
The immune system cannot fight off the bacteria because the bacteria have special shields that prevent the body's immune cells from recognizing them. This allows the bacteria to spread across her body, causing the sore throat, the rash, and eventually killing her flesh. The Streptococcus intermedius and Peptostreptococcus bacteria are so powerful that surgery is often the only way to stop them. Dr. Knox cracks open her chest. He suctions and cuts out the rapidly spreading infection before it invades her heart and lungs. We removed approximately two handfuls of dead tissue, which is a lot of tissue from the neck and chest. But despite his efforts, Christine's prognosis remains poor. After the surgery, when she went to the ICU, um, the doctors explained that she needed to be sedated to help her go through this fight. And they had her on multiple antibiotics, and they had drainage tubes in her neck and her chest. I didn't have hope. I was so afraid. All we could do was pray. But how did Christine contract necrotizing fasciitis? There's no way to know how Christine got the infection, but what it seems like is an infection in the tonsils. Humans often carry both Streptococcus intermedius and Peptostreptococcus in their throats. These bacteria can cause tonsillitis. But for reasons unknown to science, in very rare instances, these bacteria can spread to other parts of the body and trigger necrotizing fasciitis. With her infection still spreading, doctors keep Christine in a coma and perform eight more surgeries. For four weeks, they were opening and closing her chest, and we never knew every day if she was going to survive. She was just all skin and bone. It's hard to see your child that vulnerable and weak. But after her ninth surgery, there's a glimmer of hope. They got the bacteria count down. They got her stabilized. They finally were able to close the chest. And that's when we felt like she was going to make it. Despite a 10% chance of survival, Christine awakens. When I woke up, I saw my whole family there. My body was ravaged. I was in pain. But I can't describe how happy I was to be alive. We were so grateful that she was alive. It was a miracle. Doctors partly credit Christine's incredible survival to her healthy lifestyle. And after a month of physical therapy, Christine leaves the hospital. But her bout with necrotizing fasciitis has changed her life. After this incredibly traumatic experience, yoga helped me heal. So today I'm a yoga instructor and I'm also back in school pursuing my master's in counseling and I hope to use both yoga and counseling to help people heal and recover. Each year, there are between 600 and 700 cases diagnosed in the U.S. Many different types of bacteria can cause necrotizing fasciitis, and the condition can develop when bacteria enter the body, often through a minor cut or scrape, or after major trauma or surgery. Maintaining good personal hygiene and treating even small wounds properly can decrease the chances of getting necrotizing fasciitis. Waterton, Minnesota 
student Eric Reinert has an unusual claim to fame. I wrestled my whole life, and then finally, my senior year, I ended up winning the championship at 160 pounds, and that was just absolutely one of the greatest feelings I've ever experienced in my life. Eric is close with his mother, Linda Reinert. He had his glory in his wrestling, and I'm very proud of him. And Eric was just funny and silly funny and just enjoyed um, a good laugh and, and a good joke. At the age of 23, Eric sets off to study horticulture and organic farming for a college exchange program in Pahoa Village, Hawaii. I had never been this far from home. But I was excited for him. I, I've always wanted my kids to, to just do what they love. On the organic farm, Eric works the land in exchange for his room and board. I did a variety of things on the farm, mulching around the trees, wheelbarrowing dirt, doing odd jobs in a greenhouse with plants. But after just one week working on the farm, there's trouble in paradise. I was lifting a wheelbarrow, and it was a lot more difficult than previously. It was really strange. I did feel vulnerable and weak, but... I just figured I should tough it out, and I will be fine later. But the next night, his attempt to tough out his fatigue backfires. My nerves were on fire. My roommates were walking on the floor in my cabin, and I felt the vibrations from the floor to my bed, to me, and felt it as absolutely horrible pain. The next morning, Eric goes to the ER at Hilo Medical Center. They took urine samples and blood samples, and the doctors thought that it was bacteria-related, and they gave me an antibiotic to see if that would help, but I didn't think this little tiny pill would help with this big problem that I had. And that was discouraging because I was in so much pain. Eric returns to the farm to rest, but after two days on antibiotics, something startles him from his slumber. I had woken up in the middle of the night and had the urge to go to the bathroom really bad. Having to get up was really like a mind game because you knew that getting up was going to be awful before you even got up. But I had to do this because I had to go to the bathroom really bad. So I got up, I walked outside and tried to go, and I was really upset then because I couldn't go to the bathroom. It was just so... Frustrating and scary at the same time. The next morning, Eric returns to the hospital. I had told them my pain was 9.5 out of 10, and that's when they started taking it more seriously. Doctors set him up in an ER room, and six hours later, Eric tries to get out of bed. I could barely move or stand. The hypersensitivity of the nerves it affected pretty much every part of my body. That was absolutely awful. Doctors formally admit Eric into the hospital and give him morphine. They also perform a spinal tap. My spinal tap results showed that I had a septic meningitis. Meningitis is a dangerous swelling of the brain that is sometimes fatal. Aseptic meningitis is typically brought on by a virus. It was absolutely scary because now it's getting serious. So doctors administer a steroid to keep Eric's meningitis at bay. I was texting my 
parents that I was in the hospital. I was home and Eric texts that he was in the hospital and he didn't give a lot of detail. I was really tired and I was really in pain, so much so that it, it hurt to text. His last text to me was, stop, it's too exhausting. I thought, how can it be so hard for you to text me? And um, I knew he was in trouble. So Linda heads for the airport. I was afraid I wouldn't get there in time. His mother, Linda, has flown to Hawaii to be at his bedside. This was not Eric who I just dropped off at the airport a few weeks earlier. He was in a lot of pain, and so I didn't rush up to hug him. I tapped him on the feet. He'd just wince, and tears would roll down the sides of his cheeks. It was really good to see my mom. Having your mom there when you need her the most is the best thing. Now I'm really crying. Despite numerous medications, Eric remains debilitated for two weeks. Then, doctors prescribe a course of physical therapy. When Eric stood up in physical therapy, I was floored. It looked to me like he had lost at least 40 pounds of muscle. I really didn't believe that it was my own body. My arms were stick thin. My legs were unbelievably skinny, too. I couldn't get out of bed myself. I couldn't stand with a walker without two grown men by my side. He turned to me and he asked, when is this going to get better, Mom? And what if it doesn't? How can your mom answer that? If you were in that pain forever, life, life isn't worth living. For two weeks, the medical team performs an array of diagnostic tests to no avail. But Dr. John Martell refuses to give up. We needed to do the fourth spinal tap to really figure out what was going on. And the results are gruesome. I got the lab results. I don't swear, but mentally I went, oh, shit. the results of Eric's fourth spinal tap were not only shocking, they were scary. I knew we were facing serious trouble. Dr. Martell just looked me straight in the eye and said, do you want to know the worst case scenario? And I said, yes. I had to tell her that Eric could go into coma and might even die. I did think, I'm going to be bringing him home. I just hope I'm not bringing him home in a coffin. Dr. John Martell has made a horrifying discovery. The spinal tap revealed a high level of eosinophils. Eosinophils are specialized white blood cells that fight a particular type of infection. When you see that, it's clear you're dealing with a parasitic infection. We now knew for sure that we were dealing with an infection due to Angiostrongylus cantonensis. More commonly known as rat lungworm, this parasitic roundworm can cause serious neurologic dysfunction. In severe cases, it's fatal. Inside Eric's brain, the parasites attack the neural tissue. 
causing the inflammation and Eric's meningitis. The parasitic larvae swim through the cerebral spinal fluid into the spinal cord, where they attach to nerves and feed on fluid, causing Eric's hypersensitivity, debilitation, and bladder dysfunction. This could kill my son. And I just prayed to God that that would not happen. This parasite brought me to my knees. I was worried about Eric's situation and the real possibility that he could die. But I wasn't going to let that happen. Dr. Martel floods Eric's system with a strong antiparasitic medication called albendazole. And seven days later, Eric turns a corner. My pain started going away, and then I finally cracked a smile for once. And I let my mom take a picture with me. That was a great picture. It was a great feeling to send something like that out to the people who wondered how Eric was doing from where he was at. It's huge. I want to say that <sighs> this wouldn't have killed me, but I, th I think that her being there gave me strength. But how did Eric contract this deadly rat lungworm? The rat lungworm parasite typically cycles between rats and infected snails or slugs. But humans can also become unwitting hosts. Infection can occur when a person eats improperly washed produce that's contaminated with slime from an infected snail or slug. A recent study suggests that over 75% of one slug species in Hawaii is infected with the rat lungworm parasite. And this is most likely how Eric contracted the parasite. I must have gotten it from eating unwashed fruits or vegetables. Seven weeks later, Eric flies home to Minnesota, where he returns to college. But the rat lungworm parasite has made a lasting impression on this wrestling champion. I'm not sure if, uh, if I'll ever be the wrestler I was. I still have um, issues with my right leg, the lack of sensitivity, my right hip, is uh, also in pretty bad shape. It was definitely Eric's wrestling spirit that brought him home. We beat Rat Lungworm. We pinned the rat on the mat. <laughs> rat Lungworm was first discovered in China in 1935 and has since spread throughout Asia, Africa, and the Pacific Islands, including Hawaii. To prevent infection, Travelers to endemic areas, including the Pacific Islands, Southeast Asia, and the Caribbean, should always wash fresh vegetables and fruit before consuming them, and never eat raw slugs or snails. For more blood-curdling monsters and their hideous habits, visit our website, animalplanet.com slash monsters inside me.